Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. you to the book of Hebrews this morning, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23 and 24. Amen. So great to see Brother William, Sister Vivian. Amen. Thank you for coming home. So great to see Gavin and Blaine here as well. Be sure to let those boys know. Uh, but uh, good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Loving God, amen, loving God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. Somebody say, I love my church. That's what it's talking about the church of the firstborn. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Somebody say, speaking better things. Speaking better better things. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to worship you, Lord, to praise you, Lord, to engage in fellowship, to grow, to learn. God, we ask, Lord, as we enter into your word today, may your word come alive today. I pray, God, that we would be energized by your word and touched. Let revelation hit us. Let something be said today through your servant, God, that would bring forth encouragement to change in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. Appreciate the blessing of the Lord. Lord bless you. You can be seated. Speaking better things. The scene of the first murder had to be one of the most gruesome sights that the early humans could ever imagine. I see Cain as he stands over the bleeding corpse of his brother Abel. Whatever weapon he had is in his hand and blood is dripping from it. I see him standing there, his heart is pumping with scalding hot rage. As Genesis 4 depicts and tells the story of these two brothers, story of Cain and Abel merely is told in 16 verses. But those verses reveal the depth of evil that can reside within the heart of an individual. How could a human being allow such rage? How could a man allow such anger against his brother? What could have provoked this violence? These first brothers of the human race just lived one generation from creation. One generation removed from creation. 
The Bible tells us that Cain's countenance was fallen. First there was a tantrum, then there was a massacre. First there was an outburst of rage, and then there was murder. What could have possibly been the motive that would cause a brother to kill a brother? Surely it was more than even jealousy or sibling rivalry gone wrong. It staggers me to think that the first murder would have been over what it was over. When you consider at the, at the center of it is God and his attention to man. In Genesis chapter 4, you will find that in the process of time, verse 3, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And then look at this, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, not just to his offering, but to Abel the person. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain, it made him angry. However, God showed that. Some say that it was by fire that fell upon the offering of Abel and not on the offering of Cain, but I don't know. But something caused Cain to be angry. Amen. Could it have been that it is this word respect, that God had respect towards Abel and his offering and not towards Cain and his? Respect. The word respect in the Hebrew means to accept, to look on with favor, have regard for, to receive a gift or other object as acceptable. It is an acceptable gift. But something that I began to see that I had never come across before, and that is the word respect means to believe and accept information as true to believe and accept information as true, implying both trust and a proper response to the object of truth. While there was a theological aspect to their sacrifice, there was a faith aspect to their sacrifice. Amen. You will find that God accepted Abel's sacrifice because he believed it to be true. He believed that what Abel was saying was true. Conversely, Cain brought a sacrifice and we could talk about the theology of the blood and we could talk about the theology of the sacrifice and all of that. But what God had is he had respect to Abel because Abel had faith and Cain did not. Abel had faith and Cain did not. Abel offered a sacrifice, Cain offered a sacrifice, but God didn't believe Cain's worship. He said it again, God didn't believe Cain's worship. He meant he believed Abel's worship, but he didn't Cain. He knew that Abel had faith, but Cain did not. Can I just stop here for a moment and let us ask ourselves, does God believe my, my worship? 
Does God believe my worship? Is my hands going up truly what my heart is saying? Is my mouth singing the songs what my heart is truly believing? Because if I will say what I believe, then there's a God in heaven that says I receive that worship. I accept that worship. I have respect towards that worship. Why? At the heart of it is faith. When we sing about the name of Jesus and we have faith it is accepted unto God when we sing about the healing and we believe in the healing it is an acceptable sacrifice unto God the writer of Hebrews confirms this when it says in Hebrews 11 and verse 4 by faith Abel offered unto God by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than king. What made it more excellent was not necessarily maybe the, the animal. It could have been a theological discussion. We could debate that or not. It could have been the, the, uh, for a variety of reasons, but let's look at it in the, in the straightforward setting, and that is Abel had faith and God accepted it, but he did not accept Cain's by which Abel obtained witness that he was righteous and God speaking of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh. If you drop down to verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 11, it reminds us without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Again, does God believe my worship? Does God trust my worship? Does God look at me when my hands are raised? Amen. There's some folks, their hands aren't raised, and God believes it. There's some folks that, that are going to just 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 sit there on their pew if they want to, amen, and God's going to believe it because out of their heart, uh, but if you want to be received by God and be pleased by God, let your faith be the motivation of your worship. Let the faith that you have be the motivation of your offering. Let the faith that you have be the motivation of why you serve God. I don't serve him because of just the benefit, but I serve him by faith, amen. One of these days, I'm going to see him as he is. Therefore, I'm going to serve him by faith. My hand goes up by faith. My mouth speaks by faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Let us live by faith. But again, what would motivate Cain to kill his brother? Let's, let's, let's pick up the narrative in Genesis 4 verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. Really? Who's God ang who is Cain angry with? Who's Cain angry with here? So he couldn't kill God, so he killed his brother. I've seen this repeated over and over and over and over and over again. People are angry with God, bitter at God, and so what? They can't go after God. They can't do anything to God. Amen. What you going to do? Get mad and, and pout before God, and he's going to like, oh, I'm sorry. No. 
So what we do, we get angry at one another. We get angry at our brother. They're being blessed and we're not being blessed or they're having good things. We're not having good things. We're going through a trial. They're not going through a trial. You don't know. So Cain got upset because he didn't have faith. That's on you, Cain, not on your brother, but because he didn't have faith, he was angry with God. God accepted his brother, but he didn't accept his sacrifice. And instead of getting mad at God and just shaking his fist at God, he got mad at his brother. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why are you angry? Man, it's bad enough you get angry at God, then God starts convicting you confronting you, calling you out about your business. And the Lord said, why are you wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you live by faith, you'll be accepted. If you don't do well, well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Amen. Sin is at the heart of the issue of the anger. God warned Cain and said, sin is crouching at your heart's door. Amen. I know it's not popular today. I know today if you're watching online or if you're, you're listening to the podcast, I know it's not popular today to call something sin and we want to just sugarcoat it or call it something else. But the evil that is in the world today is because of a fallen nature. It is because of sin. Amen. Sin lies at the door. Amen. So we find that Cain was angry at God, but he killed his brother. He went after his brother. I don't know if they had ever been injured before, if they had ever seen blood before. But when he took that rock or he took that bone or he took a stick or he took whatever he had in his hand and he slew his brother and the first splatter of blood that backed on him and covered across his face, I wonder what this raging man thought. What went through his mind as blood splattered all over the field where they are? Did he get sick? Did he start heaving at the sight of blood? What did he think about blood? It was seeping into the dirt. What a gruesome sight. Was Cain overcome by grief? These are questions that I have in my head today I want to share with you. Did he feel guilt? Did he feel shame? Did he bury his brother in an attempt to hide the crime? Amen. But what really would have probably messed with Cain is to hear his brother's blood crying from the ground. Whether Cain heard that or not, I don't know. But God heard it. In verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is, thy, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Amen. We realize, according to Leviticus 17 and 11, that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Amen. Not, it is not, doesn't say that the blood is life, but the life is in the blood. So when, when Abel's blood began to pour on the ground, it was his life that began to cry out. It was his life that began to speak. Amen. You know the Bible does not record one word that Abel spoke as a, as a living man. Amen. 
amen, no words that I know about that were given of his prayer. Yet his blood cries from the ground. God hears the essence of Abel's life, begin to speak to him, calling out to him. Amen. It's interesting that the word blood here is plural. Literally, it is your brother's bloods. Bloods are crying from the ground. Wherever you find this word plural in the word of God, it is referenced to a great violence. It is referenced to the great violence of shedding in blood that cries out for a vengeance. It cries out for vengeance. Amen. Could it be that the whole creation, when the blood began to fall into the ground, began to groan, amen, at the shedding of innocent blood? Could it be that the blood still screams to day when it is falsely taken amen in that case amen with one man's murder God heard it how about the millions and the millions down through time that he began to hear when they were murdered or when they were killed for an unjust reason amen what did the blood say what is it that the blood begin to speak what did the blood cry out vengeance Vengeance, amen, vengeance, did it cry out justice? I want to ask you today in your mind, think about what was the blood speaking? I believe that the blood began to cry out by faith. Redemption, redemption, redemption. The, the blood began to cry out grace, mercy, forgiveness, salvation, healing, amen. I, I need redemption for my life, amen. There's still sin that's got to be dealt with with. There's still sin that's got to be taken care of. There was not yet a Calvary. There was not yet a lamb. Amen. So his blood cries out, redemption. Save me. Save me. That leads us to what Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23 to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men make perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Hold on, Abel. He's got a blood too. They say that blood is such an incredible thing when it comes to the chemistry of the blood and the makeup of the blood. Man has been able to reproduce tissue. Man has been able to reproduce all kinds of things, but man cannot reproduce blood. That's why they have blood drives. That's why they got to take the blood. Amen. There's so many intricate things about the blood, and yet there is one whose blood is different than any other. It is one that the Holy Ghost overshadowed a woman, amen, and produced a son in that womb. It's not a son made by man, but a son that was made by God and had blood. Blood doesn't come from the mama, but it comes from the father. And so when that baby was raised up, he was raised up to become a spotless son. He was to become one, the Bible said, in him there was no guile. In him there was no sin. In him there was no sin. And he lived his life in, in basic incognito, save for a few days and a few times he come forward until the day his ministry began to arise and John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. What was he saying? He was saying, Here is Abel's answer. Abel's blood cries out for Redemption! 
For the Bible says, Jesus, verse 30, 24, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of, blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood, the first murder, began to be the testimony of every life lost, every blood fallen to the ground, crying out, mercy, grace, but there was none. Oh, yeah, they sacrificed, and they just rolled their sins ahead another year. Every year, the Day of Atonement, push it ahead. What was it saying? Atonement, healing, redemption. Hallelujah. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar. Make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. The sacrifice of the lamb. The sacrifice of the atonement was for that sin covering. For that's what atonement means. To cover over. To pitch over. To cover over. Amen. It was atonement that was on Noah's ark. That pitched it within and without. That's what it means. It was atonement that saved the baby Moses in the basket. That was pitched within without. Out. Hallelujah. But there is something about the blood that the Lord said, this is the way that you're going to be saved. Hallelujah. When you begin to study the lamb, when you begin to study his sacrifice, I want to show you how his blood speaks better things. The first time that we see recorded that the blood of our Savior, the spotless lamb, falls to the ground, he was still living. He was still living. In the garden, Luke twenty-two forty-four, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Sweat turning into great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Doctor describes this condition that there can be a situation so severe, the anxiety so severe and stress so severe that it releases a chemical that breaks down the capillaries in the sweat gland which causes blood to mingle with the sweat and begin to fall. How much did it have to be that it fell to the ground? Could it have been Abel's blood fell to the ground? Could it have been when that first drop of blood hit the ground that it started speaking? Better things. Better things. Better things. This moment, he's intense struggle. This moment, he's facing intense pressure. This moment, he's having it so difficult, Jesus is, upon his body that his sweat is being pressured, as it were, just like pushing it out to great drops of blood upon the ground. So what is he saying? When it hits the ground, he said... I've got an answer for you in your struggle. 
I got an answer for you when you see no way out. I got an answer for you when you feel like all is lost. I got an answer for you when you feel like that you can't make it through. Amen. Because it was Jesus that said at this moment, Oh, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, my blood's got to speak. My blood's got to speak of better things. I still hear Abel. I still hear every sacrifice. I still hear every slaughtered individual that was made in the image of God screaming out, redemption, redemption. And so Jesus, as his blood begins to fall upon the ground, he's saying, here's your answer. Are you in struggle today? Are you facing trial? Are you having pressure? The answer is your blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. How many of you believe that today? If you believe that, lift your hand and to begin to thank the Lord for the pressure that you're in your, in your life right now. Amen. There has been a way made for you to overcome, to begin to say, nevertheless, hallelujah, nevertheless, nevertheless, the blood speaks better things for me. The blood speaks better things for me. I wonder what that cross said when his blood touched it. What happened when the thorns crabbed a hold of his brow and pressed into his head until his blood begins to flow across his, his face, into his beard, down across his chin, and hits the ground? I wonder what it says. I wonder what it says. The Bible tells us that the curse is connected to the thorns. The curse is connected to the thorns. Amen. Matthew 27, 29, that they platted a crown of thorns and they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, mocking him as it were to be the king. And they bowed knee before him and mocked him saying, hell, king of the Jews. Amen. The curse is the thorns. So what Jesus said, he said to to, to, to Abel and Abel's blood, I am the answer for the curse in your life. The sin curse, redemption is now coming your way. The curse for your mind. You have victory today over your mind and over the strongholds in your mind because of the blood. The blood speaks peace to your mind. The blood of Jesus speaks victory. Amen to your thinking. If you'll just let him do it. It is by his blood that speaks better things to you. The stripes were upon his back. Amen. His back was declared to be the place of healing. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse uh, uh, 26, then released he Barabbas unto them and when they, he had scourged Jesus across his back he delivered him to be crucified. I like what Isaiah prophesied long years before in Isaiah 53 and 5 but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes and with his stripes and with his stripes, with his stripes we are healed. Cancer says a lot, but the blood, the blood speaks better things. Amen. High blood pressure says a lot, but the blood speaks better things. Diabetes can talk to you and depression can talk to you and Crohn's disease can talk to you and liver disease can talk to you. Amen. Multiple sclerosis can talk to you and lupus and arthritis and, and asthma. These things can talk. 
to you. But I want to tell you there's a blood that speaks better things. It's time we let our faith rise one more time in the blood of the Lamb that not only set us free from sin, but he has paved the way for everything the enemy ever did. Amen. He has wrapped it up in the one sacrifice and brought about victory. Even the law could not do it, but he fulfilled the law in himself so that now we can live in live victory. Live in victory. Triumphant over the law. His blood speaks better things. The Bible tells us that they they pulled, the King James uses the word pluck. They plucked his beard. In today's world, that makes you think tweezers and you know, bling. But according to what we could find is that they grabbed handfuls of beard and ripped it off of his face pulling skin follicles just ripped right out blood began to flow I want you to hold with me today hold, walk with me I'm talking in typical terms today how do you know a man's a man today because it grows a beard. I got to shave mine. Anybody got to shave yours? Yeah. By and large, it requires that. A man have an identity in his face. We know that there are customs, and I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is the Bible told us Jesus had a beard, and that that beard was pulled from his face. It was customary for a Jew to have a beard because it was his identity in that day. It was his identity in that day. And so the devil says, I'm going to rip him of his identity. I'm going to take everything I can. I'm going to emasculate him. I'm going to make him feel like he's something different. And so they ripped away his identity. This is the curse of this generation. People that don't have a clue what you are. I'm going to tell you what, you can grow a beard and you can still not know who you are. You can have all kinds of, you can have a ponytail outside of your head growing off your forehead and still not know who you are. But I'll tell you how I know who I am. It's not because I grow a beard. It is because I know the blood of Jesus speaks better things. It's because of his blood I now am free. It's just because of his blood I'm a son of God. It's because of his blood I can walk and lift up my head and say, Amen, he's mine and I am his. I know who I am because of the blood I know who I am. I know who I am. Praise God. I, my heart breaks when I see them telling kids, go ahead, at the age of five and six and seven and even younger, you choose and pick and choose what gender you want to be. They can't even pick what clothes they can wear. Amen. They can't even pick how to take a bath and when to take a bath. And yet we're saying, go ahead, you pick and choose your identity. Amen. Oh, 
know. I know who I am. I am who I am by the blood of the Lamb. But my heart breaks for those that are struggling with transgender mindsets. We can fight them. We can say, oh, that's so wrong. It's wrong response. First of all, it's a spiritual attack on the authority of Jesus Christ. It is. Hallelujah. But what they need is they need to know that there's a blood that speaks better things than their transphoria, than all the issues that they have. There's a blood that speaks better things. There's a way out. Amen. And there are many that are finding their way out and getting renewed and being born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and realizing, I know who I am. Amen. Call it what you want. But it's still the blood that changes things. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength. I know who I am by the blood of the Lamb. I don't have to worry about my identity. I know who I am by the blood of the Lamb. It speaks better things. I said it speaks better things. It speaks better things than depression. I know who I am. It speaks better things than suicide. I know who I am. Would to God that there would be a revival of the blood message in our world today. Matthew 27, 35 says they crucified him. We know what that took care of, nails in his hands, nails in his hands, nails in his hands, nails in his hands. Hallelujah. You know what he's saying? Listen here. Whatever your hand find to do, you're going to do it right if you've got the blood applied to your life. It not only protects your identity, but it protects what you do. It protects your occupation. It protects what you put your hands to. It protects you what you do with your hands. Amen. What are you doing with your hands? Are they covered by the blood? Are they thieving hands? Or are they redeemed hands? Are they conniving hands? Or are they honest hands? Amen. Let the blood of Jesus change your hands. It'll change what you put, amen, in it and on it and what you wear it and, and all these things. Why? It's the blood. I'm a child of God. I know who I am and I'm going to do what he calls. I can obey him today, not because of demands, but because of the blood in his hands. I can obey him. Whew. I can raise my hands because of the blood in his hands. It speaks much better things. We know that they put nails in his feet. Put nails in his feet. Wherever your feet go, they speak of dominion. They speak of dominion. The word is tread. We hear the, the old song says, the conquerors 
fret. Everywhere you put your feet. Jesus said that he would put the enemy under his feet. The enemy is going to be put under his feet. Hallelujah. Malachi put this prophecy in place four and three, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. We find that Romans picks up the spiritual context of this. In Romans 16 and 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And the God of peace shall, shoo, shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He's already crushed his head at Calvary Amen. Now we're going to take care of it and finish the work because of the blood. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2 and 8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. And if they're under his feet, they're under my feet. If they're under his feet and I'm under his blood, then I am going to make sure I walk in the power and victory of that blood. Luke 10 and 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I want to tell you today, I want that blood speaking better things to me. Blood came out his side. Man, I wish I could just, just matter of fact, tonight I might even just preach a message about this one place. Blood came out of his side. They stuck a spear into his side. Normally they break their legs, but they didn't with him. Why? All scripture had to be fulfilled. All beauty of typology had to be fulfilled. Everything had to be fulfilled because out of the first Adam's side came forth Eve. And out of the second Adam's side came forth the church. The greatest love story there ever was come out of the side of Jesus Christ. When that spear went in, it typified and it was symbolic of the fact that just a few days later in an upper room that there was going to be the presentation of his counterpart the bride of Christ hallelujah hey I want his blood I want to be connected to that blood it speaks of better things it speaks of relationship it speaks of victory over the inner man it speaks about the broken hearted being healed amen I believe today that his blood speaks better things Luke 4 and 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted inside issues, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover a sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. What is that? It's the blood. It's the blood talking. It's the blood. It is redemption talking. Speaks better things. Speaks better things. I sent a ton of scriptures, Sister Bev, and I'm probably not going to get to all of them. Matter of fact, I'm going to breeze through these. But I want to tell you what the Bible says. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 tells us that we are redeemed by the blood. We're, <laughs> hallelujah, we are redeemed by the love, not, not by 
corruptible things, silver and gold, or from vain, your vain conversation received from the tradition of fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. You see, before the cross, the blood's crying from the ground. After the cross, the blood is crying in the future. For every aborted baby, there's a blood that's been shed for that aborted baby. Can you imagine? For every aborted baby, for every one that has been slaughtered and gone their way, amen, there, there is victory. But now I have the provision to live in victory. It's not just about waiting for one day Messiah to show up. My Messiah's already came, and therefore I can live redeemed. I'm not just dying and hoping for redemption. I can live redeemed. Hallelujah. The blood speaks better things when it comes to the cleansing that breaks the bands of habits and shame. Revelations 1 and 5. It speaks of forgiveness. Ephesians 1 and 6 and 7. The blood, the blood, the blood speaks about coming closer in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Paul wrote in Colossians 1 and 20, he says, and made peace through the blood of his cross. Made peace. I'm thankful for the blood. I'm thankful for the blood. It speaks of sanctification. It speaks of justification. If I may, I want to go back to our beginning text and read a few more verses than I did at the outset. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 21. Speaking of Moses and Mount Sinai and the giving of the law and all that God did then. And so, so terrible was the sight, verse 21, that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So awesome, so compelling, so fearful, so heart-wrenching. He said, I exceedingly fearful and quake. But what the writer said, you have not come to that, but you have come, verse 22, unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Then look at this. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Don't turn the blood away. Don't turn the blood away. For if they escape not who refused him that speaketh on earth, how much more shall not ye we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Don't turn the blood down. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shall, I, once more I shake not the earth only, but also heavens. It's coming a day, y'all. It's coming a day that all this mess in our world is going to meet the judgment of God. No matter what the naysayer says, no matter what professor tinkling cymbal or preacher sounding brass says it's coming a day that he's going to shake the heaven and the earth verse 27 for this word 
yet once more signifieth the removing of these things that are shaken and of the things that are made and those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, listen to this, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. If you're in the kingdom, if you're in God, then nothing is going to shake you loose. Stand to your feet. Stand on that word today. Nothing is going to shake you loose. If you have received the kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. Thereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God, our God is a consuming fire. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It speaks better things. It speaks better things. What are you going through today? Well, I tell you what, it may be that you're really having a hard time, but can I tell you there's a better word for you? It's called the blood, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the wonder-working blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm not just telling you a story. I'm not just preaching to you something I've never experienced. I know the blood. I know the blood works. I know the blood works. I've seen it in my own life. I know the blood works. I've seen it in my life. It works. It works. It works. It works. We were pastoring in Tennessee, Iron Hill, Tennessee, Parsons, Tennessee. We were passing there in our first pastorate. I was laying in bed one night, and I felt like an elephant sit on my chest. I could hardly breathe. And I heard a voice whisper in my ear, and I'm, I'm a young 30-something. I hear a voice whisper in my ear, I'm going to kill you. What little bit of breath I could muster up, all I breathed was, Jesus. Not one, not twice, not three times, not multiple times. That thing left at the first time I mentioned Jesus. The blood works. That never would have happened. Never would have happened if it wasn't for Calvary. If it wasn't for what he did at Calvary on the cross, never would have happened. Your victory over your anxiety never would have happened if it wasn't for the blood. Your healing for your body would never happen if it wasn't for the blood. Amen. Your redemption for your sin-cursed soul would never be set free if it wasn't for the blood. His blood. I love what you find in the book of Acts. It says that the blood of God purchased this church. His blood, his DNA, his DNA is in my DNA. Oh, thank God. Would you like to just make your way out to the front for a few minutes? Come on and call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, all oh, the blood of Jesus. All oh, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it touch you today. Let his blood, amen, be the answer for yours. Christ. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Hey,